This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. And you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing, how are we doing? And welcome to episode 118, episode 118 of the Banner Banter Podcast. That's actually my birthday, 118, January 18th. Anyways, welcome to episode 118 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. I know I did. I got my first vaccination shot. We are one step closer to getting back to normal. Pretty excited about that. Um, and you can find me on the Twitter machine, at Banner Banter 18, or on Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night media team and they got a lot going on right now a bunch of podcasts like boston and common the marky p show eat the damn cake those girls you know drinks after work burn toast i'm the producer he's the dj let's be clear with kayla before i go with jd and they also have big night breaks and on april 18th at big night live yep Big Night Live, that's the content venue I work for. There is going to be the first ever Causeway card show. So if you're into sports cards, come on down 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Go to Big Night Live, check out some cards, buy some cards, make some trades, make some friends, etc., etc. So check that out and check out all the other Big Night Media podcasts that I just mentioned on all platforms, including YouTube. I, I have a face for radio, so I don't do the YouTube stuff. But a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about we have the little recap of the nba trade deadline with trader danny coming back to life mid-season form uh we're going to talk about the return to the boston garden for a lot of celtics fans coming up in these upcoming weeks uh the celtics went two and two on their four game road trip they also have seven home games in a row we're going to break it all down for you and we're going to start right about now so earlier in the week Last Monday, they lost to the Grizzlies 126-123 to in overtime. Then they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks 121-119. to They beat the Bucks again in Milwaukee. Or, I'm sorry, they beat the Bucks the second time, which is all that I asked for in episode 117. I just said, hey, split with the Milwaukee Bucks. They did that. To me, it was one of, if not the best wins of the season. They won that game 122-114. to And then last night, they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 111 to 94. They are currently in seventh place in the standings. I think they're only about a game out from the fourth seed. I think the fourth seed is very doable with everything that's going on with the Celtics. I feel like there's a lot of weight dropped off of all the players' shoulders, knowing that they're not going to get traded. The offense has been looking good. Technically, going into Saturday night's Thunder game, they had the third best offensive rating in the month of March across the NBA. Just sucks that they also have the second worst defensive rating. So hopefully the defense can come together. The offense can stay as it is because whenever the Celtics have 25 assists or more they're 13 and 3 or 14 and 3 or something like that so if the ball movement can't continue and then they just give some energy on defense 
things can turn around for this Boston Celtics team, and they can be that fourth seed, play the fifth seed. I I have confidence in this team in the playoffs. When the games slow down a little bit, things will be a little bit better. And then some of the teams that they may be playing, like let's just say, for example, right now the Celtics are the fourth seed. They would then play the Charlotte Hornets as the fifth seed in that first-round matchup. I would feel confident about that. And then you're either playing the Nets or the 76ers in the second round, and you just cross your fingers and 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 pray at that point. But let's break down the Celtics trade deadline. The Celtics were obviously active, but the question is, was it enough? So let's start off with the second move first. Really heartbreaking. I was a big fan of Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice and Javante Green go to Chicago for Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett. This move was all about money. Tice and Green, their contract is combined, and then Wagner, or I'm sorry, Wagner's and Cornett's contract. Sorry, I'm having a brain fart here. I I literally had a good train of thought, but basically trading Tyson Green and then taking on Wagner's and Cornette's deals puts the Celtics under the luxury tax. And when you are above the luxury tax in the NBA and you become a repeat offender, you have to pay more and more money every single year. So if the Celtics can take a year off, they're good because next year with Jason Tatum's max contract coming around, they will most likely be a team in the tax and will have to pay a lot of money back to the NBA. And listen, I love Daniel Tice, but this was nothing more than a business move. This had nothing to do with the fact that he missed a three-pointer at the buzzer in Milwaukee on Wednesday night. Had absolutely nothing to do with that. But, you know, it's funny to say maybe it did. But Mo Wagner in his career, 6.9 points per game, three rebounds, and then... You have Luke Cornett. He averages six points and two boards in his career, but he had a heck of a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder the other night, coming off the bench late in that third quarter to start the fourth quarter, hit back-to-back threes, played some pretty good defense. Sorry, I just barked. Uh, Played some pretty good defense, got some rebounds. I think he was like a plus 20-something for the team. It was absolutely incredible. So, you know, can Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett help this team? I don't know. I mean, obviously what Luke Cornett did the other night against the Thunder was phenomenal. And if we can get that type of you know production off the bench, that's great. But I don't know if that's going to be happening every single night. But obviously a very good start for Luke Cornett for sure. But the big move was when Jeff Teague and two second round picks went to the Orlando Magic for Evan Fournier and part of the Gordon Hayward trade exception. Uh, this means they still have $11 million for a free agent this upcoming season on that Gordon on that Gordon Hayward trade exception. I don't want to confuse you too much with it. It's a little bit confusing for me, but I feel like if you just know there's $11 million left from that Gordon Hayward TPE, I feel like that's all you need to know. I know a lot of people wanted more from this, from the TPE, you know, maybe an all-star type player, but history across the league has always said that it's very rare to get a all-star big name type player in this. I mean, the last time the Celtics had this much money, they literally got I, I, was it Cody Zeller or Tyler Zeller? No, it was Tyler Zeller. That was what they used last time. So Evan Fournier is obviously a huge, huge upgrade. He is a free agent this summer, and currently he's in COVID protocol. So he may only play 20 games or so for the Celtics, which kind of sucks. The Celtics have exactly, uh, what is it, 26 games left? I, I think 13 of them are home and seven are on the road. It's It's something like, or no, they have 26 games left, and I think they have 13... I think they have 16 home games and 10 road games. That's what it is. So, which is the 16 home games is the most in the NBA that's left. So, obviously, that is good good news. So, hopefully, Evan Fournier can play at least more than 20 games for the Celtics uh, going forward. But who the heck knows? Back to the free agent thing. He is a free agent this summer. But the positive about this is 
they have Fournier's birds rights. Now, I don't want to confuse you anymore because the NBA salary cap stuff is very confusing, but having a player's birds rights basically means that they can put more money on the table for the player to sign in free agency, and it doesn't affect their cap too much. So the fact that Danny could get the bird rights from the Magic for Fournier is obviously a big, big move. But the thing is, you're going to have to move Kemba Walker or Marcus Smart. Obviously, contract-wise, you'd want to move Kemba Walker. I love Kemba Walker. Love his smile. Love his play. Obviously, a little worried about the knee, but that is something that's going to have to happen if you want to keep Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is going to fill that Gordon Hayward role for you, uh, minus the defensive part. He's not that great on defense, but this season, in 26 games, 19 points on 46% from the field. He's shooting 39% from three. He could be a big help coming off the bench and really help Jason and Jalen when they're playing with the bench guys. So if it's, you know, let's just say Cornette, Shemi, Jason Tatum, Evan Fournier, and Peyton Pritchard, that's a lot better than having Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Shemi Ojale, and Cornette with Jason Tatum. Do you get what I'm saying? So that it, that is going to be a huge help for Jalen and Jason when they have to play with the bench guys, you know, to end the first quarter, start the second quarter, end the third quarter, start the fourth quarter because of the way that Brad kind of uses his matchup. If you remember earlier in this season, Evan Fournier is a guy that I wanted. I thought he would fit perfectly on this team because he can shoot, he can facilitate the basketball. I think this is a really, really good pickup for the Celtics, and I just hope he gets over this uh, safety, health, protocol, COVID stuff. He There was rumors that he flew, flew commercial, but he posted a picture that he actually... <clears throat> Uh, flew private so it's very interesting how you know why he's on the safety and health protocol thing right now so hopefully he can produce you know three or four negative tests in a row and he can be back maybe next week by the time for the Philadelphia 76ers games some of the other stuff going on in the NBA when it comes to the trade deadline that could affect the Celtics obviously the first thing that comes to mind is George Hill going to the Philadelphia 76ers that's a huge help for them to have a good veteran backcourt presence in the playoffs if you guys remember a couple years ago George Hill destroyed the Celtics in the playoffs so that's a little scary to you know make the Philadelphia 76ers that much better Victor Oladipo is going to the Miami Heat which means they are going to be even more tough to beat I mean they did just lose to the Charlotte Hornets the other night they're currently the eighth seed but that's a team you just don't want to see in the playoffs and the best part about that for those Miami Heat fans out there they didn't have to send out Duncan Robinson Tyler Hero or Kendrick Nunn in that deal they only had to send out Avery Bradley who barely played for them this season and Kelly Olynyk, and there's rumors that Kelly Olynyk might get bought out and then obviously the disappointing part for Celtics fans I know a lot of Celtics fans wanted Aaron Gordon or Vujicic but Aaron Gordon is going to the Nuggets and Vujicic is going to the Bulls now for those people that said oh my god Danny Ainge dropped the ball how he's so stupid if you look at what the bill the the Bulls had to offer and what the Nuggets had to offer that is so much better than anything that the Celtics had to offer stop thinking that some of these bench pieces that the Celtics have are actually worthy like if you don't like them during the games if you're like oh Grant Williams sucks why is Aaron Neesmith playing Aaron Neesmith can't hit a shot if you're saying that why would a GM from another team want that and as far as the Bulls deal, the Bulls can obviously offer better draft picks than than the Celtics. The Bulls, yes, Zach, Zach Levine's fantastic. Colby White's going to be a guy that, you know, down the road's going to be good. Obviously, them getting Vujicic, you know, is going to help this team tremendously. But the Celtics are always going to be a mid-20 pick. Right now, the Bulls are a mid-teens pick. So if you're the Magic, the GM's obviously going to say, oh, you know what? I'd rather have the mid-teen picks than the mid-20 picks. Like, it's not rocket science by any means. Come on. 
All right, let's recap the week. We'll do it. I'll try and do it quick as possible. I'm just really excited about this week. I thought the the Bucks win was really good. We're heading back to TD Garden soon. Oh man, it's it's going to be great. So let's recap the Grizzlies game real quick. They obviously lost in overtime, 126 to 123. And Jason Tatum was taken out of lineups during the game with an illness. Uh, the night before, he was out with his family. He got some wings, so I don't know if he had a little bit of food poisoning. Who knows? But luckily, even with Jason Tatum out of the lineup, the Celtics continue the good ball movement and the good shooting like they did against the Orlando Magic last Sunday. The shooting did cool off a little bit. Then Brad came out with a 2-3 zone that kind of threw the Grizzlies off a little bit, which kind of canceled out the fact that the Celtics went cold. And then the Celtics, you know, with the Celtics hitting threes and the Grizzlies trying to push and and just get a lot of easy baskets uh, in the paint, which they did. But the the negative part about that first quarter was, sure, they shot the three ball well. Yes, they got cold. They played some 2-3 zone that threw the other team off, but they gave up way too many points in the paint, and they only took zero free throw attempts. That's right. They only took zero free throws, <laughs> free throw attempts. What an idiot. They didn't take any free throws. That's absolutely unbelievable. And then, of course, in the second quarter, the Celtics can't st- score the offense stalls out a little bit and the Grizzlies start hitting shots basically the theme of the first half of this game was ball movement was great but the effort on D was not that was not there and that's tough to do on the second night of a back-to-back to continue good shooting and when you know shots aren't falling to go okay I'm gonna run back and start playing defense and they had to do that with four guys out no Tatum Shem uh no Tatum no Shemi Tristan uh Langford Kemba you know Kemba wasn't playing that game or did Shemi get hurt in this game I think this is the game that Shemi got hurt no he got hurt in the Bucks game so it was Langford Thompson Tatum and Kemba so with those four guys out that's going to be pretty tough to do on the second night of a back-to-back for sure but the thing that was really really infuriating was the Grizzlies to start off the third quarter said hey you know what let's keep going inside they don't want to play physical and it worked out for the for the Grizzlies who took a five-point lead the Grizzlies I think I don't know I don't remember the number off the top of my head but they either had 78 or 80 points in the paint absolutely embarrassing for every single big guy Time Lord did play well in this game but I mean and and Tice played okay too but it was just one of those things where it was just like yikes you guys aren't physical at all now obviously with Tristan Thompson out due to all the covid safety health protocol stuff obviously he's the more physical presence if you will out of all the big guys because you're not expecting Taco to be physical or Time Lord or Daniel Tice obviously you'd like all of them to do that but that just wasn't the case but while they were scoring a lot of paints in the point that obviously gets the team jacked up because easy hoops you get a lot of confidence that way and the, and the Celtics just couldn't keep up Jalen had to carry them he scored 10 points in the third quarter and then also like John Morant's so good. He's so quick with the basketball. He can jump through the roof. You name it. He's just so good. And then to start off the fourth quarter with Teague, Pritchard, Neesmith, Tice, and Grant Williams, yikes. Like, if you were a general manager watching the first two or three minutes of that Grizzlies game the other night, you just go, oh, boy. Yeah, we're 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 probably going to ignore Danny Ainge's phone calls because that was not great at all. I mean, Jeff Teague, <laughs> Jeff Teague on Wednesday night against – the Bucks outscored Giannis. Let's just make that perfectly clear right now. Jeff Teague has been pretty damn good the last three weeks. And I know he was really, really bad for the three weeks before, but you cannot ignore how well Jeff Teague played before he got traded for Evan Fournier. Just, just remember that. But the thing with the Grizzlies game is they missed five free throws in the fourth quarter. They gave up two offensive rebounds off of free throws in the fourth quarter. That's disgusting. 
It really was. And, you know, with Jeff Teague picking up the scoring load, that should just demoralize any team. But the Grizzlies didn't do that. End of the game, uh, Brad ran a solid ATO to get Smart a hoop to cut the lead down to a bucket. Smart got the lead through an alley-oop to Tice. There should have been a foul call. There wasn't. And then they just couldn't hit a shot in overtime, and they lost the game. Uh, It was one of those games where I don't want to say the Celtics played down to the Grizzlies because I think the Grizzlies are a good team. They definitely have some talent there with John Morant and Grayson Allen and Brandon Clark and uh, Valanchunas. Like, they're a good basketball team. They have a good young coach. Like, so it's not like they played down to their talent, but this was one of the games where the Celtics should have won even though they didn't have Kemba and Jason. If they had Kemba and Jason in this game, it would have been a wrap in my opinion, but that's that. So let's talk about the the Bucks series, the back-to-back, or not back-to-back games, but two games within three days in Milwaukee against the Bucks. They lost the first one, 121-119, to and then they won the second one, 122-114. to Now, to start this game, the first eight minutes of game one, Jalen Brown and Daniel Tice were the only players to score in the first eight minutes. Kemba couldn't score, Jalen couldn't, uh, Jason couldn't score, Marcus Smart couldn't score. Gross, 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 gross. The Bucks were hitting shots early. The Celtics did do their best job to keep up. Bucks even tried to throw out a 2-3 zone to try and slow the Celtics' offense down because Budenhoser or Rowan Gardner or whatever his name is, Gardenhoser, if you get that reference, thank you so much. If you didn't, go watch Rookie of the Year. Great movie. Uh, anyways, but the Celtics' offense did slow down because of that, and then Bobby Portis came off the bench, and he was huge for the Bucks with Middleton and Giannis not scoring at all because Brad Stevens, the, these two games, I know a lot of people want to bash on Brad Stevens every single time the Celtics lose, but like the defensive setup that Brad Stevens set up against Giannis Antetokounmpo in these two games was phenomenal. I believe it was the first time he scored less than 20 points in back-to-back games since like December of 2019. It was some weird stat like that. But obviously with Shemi getting hurt and needing help off the floor, he's going to be out for two or three weeks. And after that, it was just like the lack of rebounding was just non-existent. Not saying that, you know, Shemi Ojale is the only guy that like tries to rebound the basketball with energy. But like after that injury... There was just no rebounding for the Celtics at all. Middleton started heating up in the second quarter. Next thing you know, the Celtics are down 12. So you're like, okay, we if we can maybe cut this down to 4 or 6 by the end of the third quarter, we'll be good. It's just that the Bucks started off the third quarter on a 9-0 run, and then next thing you know, they extended their lead to 25. But the Celtics did fight back. This is something that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about or focusing on because the Celtics did fight back because I feel like this year, this team would have just, you know, said, ah, screw it, whatever, who cares? But they said, no, fuck this. We're going to come back. And they kept chipping away. And Kemba started cooking because Kemba did not play very well in the first half. And, folks, I have no problem saying this. Jalen Brown's going to get his. Jason Tatum's going to get his. Evan Fournier, when he comes in, he's going to get his. Marcus Smart might get his. But if Kemba Walker can be, like, three-quarters of an all-star and drop 20 points a game for this team, 19 to 21 points a game for this team. They are so good and so hard to beat. And I don't want to put all the pressure on Kemba, but at the same time, this dude's making $37 million a year. And I think he's going to be even making more next year. So all the pressure on the world should be on Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is going to take the Celtics as far as he wants to take them. And if Kemba Walker can score good or score well and score at ease, it will be good. Now, over the last 17 games or so, you know, he's averaging like 19 points a game. There's not a lot of back-to-backs left. I think in the entire month 
like literally starting today until the end of April. I think there's only two back-to-backs. And to be honest with you, if this team's fighting for a playoff spot, there may be a game where Kemba should play. I, I think Kemba should play in this back-to-back next week, not this week, but next week against the 76ers and the Knicks. 76ers are really good, and the Knicks, you're fighting for a playoff spot. And then he ha- then he can play Friday, then he can play Sunday, when, and then there's, like, not another back-to-back until, like, the end of the month, and it's at home. So, like, let Kemba play. Just let, Even if he comes off the bench and plays 15 minutes, that's better than him just sitting on the bench. Do you get what I'm saying? So, sorry to go off on a little bit of a side rant there, but, like, Kemba Walker needs to needs to perform every single night consistently for this team if this team has a shot getting past the second round or even making the playoffs to be honest with you but (sighs) marcus smart folks sorry if that uh that breath was a little too loud in your uh, headphones or your speakers but marcus smart thought he was shooting the ball as well as kemba uh but he wasn't Uh, marcus smart finished two of ten from three in this game the 90 seconds the last 90 seconds of this game was not ideal for the celtics and you know what blame brad blame the players whoever you want but jason jason tatum and jalen brown should be getting more shots up with 90 seconds to go than Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker in these type of situations. The the Celtics did a phenomenal job cutting down the lead. They got it within a basket, and they had a chance to win the game. I had no problem with Daniel Tice taking a buzzer-beater, wide-open corner three-pointer to end the game. The issue is, is when the Celtics get a steal with 12 seconds left and Brad Stevens has two timeouts, that's, you know, I have no problem bashing on Brad when he deserves it. And Brad Stevens should have called a timeout there because the play got way too crazy. And then Marcus Smart tried to save the day and he just couldn't because Marcus Smart thinks he can save every day and he just can. So that loss sucked, but I hate like moral victories. But the fact that the Celtics were down 25 points against a team that they knew is better than them and fought back and literally almost won the game if Daniel Tice had a corner three-pointer, you know, I I would say that's a good thing. But the best part was, Game two, Time Lord starts because Daniel Tice is gone, and I think Kemba loved it because Kemba dropped 8 out of 12 points because I really think Kemba did get some open shots available because some of the teams are worried about Time Lord rolling to the basket because of how high he can jump and how any player can just throw it up to the moon and he'll catch it. And Kemba was able to drop 8 out of the first 12 Celtics points. Tatum started attacking the rim. They got him in the post they did some nice backdoor cuts always nice to see going into this game like the celtics had one of the best offenses in march i mean they still do and the defense was pretty solid too i mean even taco fall because of mo wagner and luke cornett just coming to the team he got some first quarter action so tatum taking control in the second quarter of this basketball game was a thing that was so good to see and i'm going to talk about that in a little bit but the Celtics came out with their foot on the pedal after halftime, and the defense was awesome. And it was all thanks to the Time Lord, who played his best game of his career, in my opinion. The Time Lord was unbelievable. He he had a double-double. He had five blocks. He was awesome. The ball movement was unreal. 33 points in the first nine minutes of the third quarter. That's going to be really tough for all the Brad Stevens haters that say the Celtics can't score the basketball because of his terrible offensive sets. Well, guess what? They scored 33 points in the first nine minutes. Tatum did go to the locker room after banging knees, so that was a little bit scary there but and then he came right back out and hit a step back jumper over Giannis everyone shot well over 23 made over 25 assists when when the shots fall and they can defend they are a tough team to beat 
they actually played like a full 45 minutes. I would probably say 44 with how bad the bench played at the game at the end of the game. But this was probably the most full, complete game the Celtics have played all season. And hopefully they get that gives them a lot of confidence going forward that they know if they can play a full 48 minutes and shots are falling, they're going to be a tough team to beat. So bravo to them. And then the Thunder game. Before the Thunder game, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder announced that Al Horford won't be playing anymore. He would not be playing anymore for the rest of the season, but it most likely he's going to get dealt in the summer. He's not going to get bought out. Speaking of uh, buyouts, LaMarcus Aldridge is going to the Brooklyn Nets, which is a bummer because the Nets just got so much better, and it looks like Andre Drummond is going to go to the Los Angeles Lakers and not the Boston Celtics. Classic. What do you know? But the Thunder started one of the youngest starting lineups in NBA history, or at least this season, and the Celtics couldn't hit a shot early. They started off 1 of 10. JB and JT, their energy was just like, blah, like, I don't want to be here. Can we go home? This is stupid. But there was one guy who wanted to be in Oklahoma City, and that was Peyton Pritchard. At one point in the second quarter, Peyton Pritchard had 12 points, and all of the Celtics starters combined had 10 points. And I understand Kemba Walker wasn't playing in this game, and like I just mentioned, if Kemba Walker's healthy and he plays well, this team's going to do a lot of good things. But the Celtics just couldn't do anything right. But they did hang around, which was very important. They kept it within 6 or 7 or 8 points. And in the last 3 minutes of that third quarter, Jalen Brown went off. I think he scored 13, maybe even 14 points in that third quarter, got it down to 4. And then you're asking yourself, hey, how did the Celtics win this basketball game? I mean, they won the game by so much. Well, it was all thanks to Luke Cornett, seven foot two from Vanderbilt. He can shoot the basketball better than Daniel Tice can, and he hit back-to-back threes. And after he hit those back-to-back threes, the bench going crazy, the Celtics went on a 19-2 run, and that was the ball game. I'm not even kidding you. It was first quarter, blah, second quarter, nah, third quarter, ooh, fourth quarter, wow. Like, it was crazy what happened after Luke Cornett hit those three. Jason Tatum started to take control of the basketball game, thanks, you know, after Jalen Brown took control of the third quarter, and that's what you want from your all-stars. Jalen Brown knew, this is stupid that we're losing to this team, and Jalen took over. And then Jason said, hey, you know what, I got you, Jalen, and then he took over in the fourth quarter, and that's what you want. I love that. And a quick shout-out to Moses Brown, who was unbelievable for the Thunder. I think this was like his first career start and his 24th or 25th game of his career. He had 21 points, 20 rebounds, or 20 points, 21 rebounds. Either way, he got a 20 and 20. Absolutely unbelievable. And I love Dort. Oh, I love Dort. That kid from Arizona State that plays for the Thunder, he is like Marcus Smart, on like but bigger. Just an absolute energy box and he was great to see so before we talk about the upcoming week for the celtics i know this is going to be a little bit of a longer podcast we just have a lot to talk about and i got a lot of energy i'm vaccinated and i'm all jacked up on mountain dew so why don't we do stud and dud of the week so hit the music and now it is time for the celtics stud and the celtics dud of the week Okay, episode 118, stud and dud of the week. The stud is Jason Tatum, and you may think that's easy for me to do, but finally, he took over, so I don't care what you think, and that was needed. Jason Tatum dropping 34 points against the Milwaukee Bucks in one of their best wins of the year. In that second quarter, Jason Tatum said, we are not losing this basketball game, and they did just that. One of their best wins of the season against the Milwaukee Bucks, and then he dropped 27 points, including a sick dunk 
against the Thunder. Obviously wasn't very happy, you know, with him being sick and all, but, you know, hey, shit happens. And then that first Grizzlies game, he just didn't shoot the ball well. That ha- I'm, I'm sorry, against the Bucks, He just didn't shoot the ball that well. That happens. But if you can come back and drop 34 the next night and then 27 the next night, if Jason Tatum can have some confidence going into this seven-game home stretch, there's going to be a very, very good thing for the Boston Celtics. And then the dud is Marcus Smart. And a lot of people may be asking why, because in that – Friday night Bucks game, he did go seven out of ten from three. That's great and all, but um, boy, we all know that if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, I am not the biggest fan of Marcus Smart jacking up shots. Obviously, what he did in the bubble, where he hit like five three pointers in a row, including one of them being an and one, he scored sixteen straight points by himself, was obviously incredible, and I'll never forget that. But and. Well, before I say but, congratulations to him on passing Danny Ainge, I believe, for ninth or eighth all-time in Boston Celtics history for steals in their career. But this week, Marcus Smart's three-point shooting just didn't work. 13 out of 33. And if you take out the Bucks game, he shot under 35% three out of the four times, including two games where he shot 20% from three. Marcus Smart is now going to be the fifth scoring option. If the lineup is Kemba, Marcus, Evan, Jalen, and Jason. And Marcus Smart can distribute the basketball. Sometimes he tries to get a little too cute with it, and that also drives me nuts. But this week is why I just feel uncomfortable with Marcus Smart sometimes. I love him, all the energy that he brings to the floor, but I just feel like he tries too hard on offense sometimes, and we don't need him to. Take the wide-open shot. Make the right play. That's all we need Marcus Smart to do. Nothing more, nothing less. I promise you. That's all we need Marcus Smart to do. Play some defense. Annoy the other team. Flop if you got it and maybe get a call, even though I don't like flopping. But, hey, sometimes it's work. You know, it works. I'm fine with it. But Marcus Smart has to stop jacking up three-pointers, especially contested, especially trying to get a foul off off of a screen like he's Kemba Walker. It's just not going to work. It drives me absolutely crazy. But that's it for episode 118 for Stud and Dud of the Week. Jason, Stud, bravo. Marcus, Dud. He definitely did some good things, but just the bad things really stuck out like a sore thumb. So now the Celtics start a seven-game homestand. I'm very excited. You may have to turn down your speakers or your headphones, whatever the case may be. But the Celtics start a seven-game homestand tonight, if you're listening on Monday. Or they started last night if you're listening on Tuesday. If you're listening on Wednesday, keep up. What are you doing? Their combined record of the next seven games that they play of their opponents is 146 and 171. This week, they play the Pelicans, the Mavs, the Rockets, and the Hornets. I will be returning to TD Garden. Section 315. It has been 300 in 86 days since I sat in Section 315, Row 15, Seat 7. The Celtics have the most home games left out of any NBA team, where they are currently 13-7 this year. These next seven games for the Celtics are so mother-flippin' important, I cannot stress it enough. If they can go 5-2, and 6-1, and one, hell, even 7-0, and zero because fuck it. But I think they can go 5-2. and two. I really and truly do. And if they can go 5-2, and two, 
they're going to be the four seed. Because at this point, the three seed's out of the picture, the two seed's out of the picture, the one seed's out of the picture. You're shooting for the fourth seed. This is the Celtics' opportunity to do that. And with me in Section 315, I promise you, you will hear me over the NBC Sports Boston Airwaves. You will hear me. The players will hear me. And they will be energized because of me. That is a promise. I will not let you down. And I will not let the players down. At all. In any way, shape, or form. You understand me? Good. Great. Grand. Let's talk about the Pelicans game. Pelicans. 7.30. TD Garden. Game will be on M- uh, NBA TV. If you're not in the Boston area. The Pelicans have been really up and down this year. They really have. I mean, they beat the Clippers. Then they beat the Nuggets. Then they beat the Mavs. But then they lose to the Nuggets. And then they lose to the Trailblazers twice. twice. And then they also lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But... In the month of March, the Pelicans have a top 10 offense in the NBA. And that's all thanks to Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, a bunch of Dukies. And as a Duke fan, I'm excited to see Zion. This will be my first time seeing Zion Williamson at the TD Garden because I think last time he was injured when they played. It was either that or... Wait, was it that? Was he injured or was it going to be post-COVID? I think it was going to be like after like St. Patrick's Day is when they were going to play him. So I don't think Zion's ever played at TD Garden. So this is going to be really cool. I'm a big Zion guy. But in Zion's last two games, going into Sunday's action, 39 points, 38 points, with a total of 15 rebounds and 11 assists. Wow. I don't know who's going to stop him on the Celtics. I mean, if Tristan Thompson's back, okay, maybe, but then you have Steven Adams in the middle of the, you know, middle of it all too. So I think we're going to see a lot of Grant Williams. And uh, Zion Williams and Duncan over Grant Williams as a Celtics fan, okay, it's going to sting. But as someone who uh, didn't really approve of number 12 getting drafted and likes Zion Williamson, I may smile a little bit. I'll be honest with you. But if the Pelicans don't play defense, the Celtics will win this game. If the Celtics can give at least 50% effort on defense, they're going to win this game. They obviously have to look out for Brandon Ingram. He can go off. Hopefully Jalen or Jason can match that. Kemba will be playing in this game, so that's good. But then they also have the sharpshooting of Josh Hart off the bench. He killed them last time they, these two teams played when the Pelicans beat them in New Orleans. So this is a game the Celtics should win. Should. And with me in that building, oh, they better win. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then Wednesday, 730, again, TD Garden, Mavs, Celtics. I'll be in the building. Mavs also have a top 10 offense in the month of March. They just got J.J. Redick in a trade, even though J.J. Redick is also hurt right now. Luka didn't play in the last game due to a sore back and a little bit of illness. I don't think Chris Tas Porzingis, or however you pronounce it, a.k.a. KP6, I don't think he's going to play. But if he's if he does, Jason Tatum better be ready to defend in the post because Porzingis is going to post him up. Because I don't want Grant Williams doing that because that's like a five or six inch difference. So Jason Tatum's going to have to be defending KP6 in this situation. Hopefully Evan Fournier is back. Who knows? But of course you're going to have to be worried about Luka Doncic, Tim Hardaway Jr., etc., etc. But what I am concerned about about this Mavs game is in the month of, in the month of March, the Mavs are averaging a, over 53 rebounds a game, which is top five in the month of March in the NBA. And the Celtics have been god-awful, god-awful rebounding the basketball lately. So that's going to have to change. Seriously. The the Celtics, if they don't give any effort defending Luka and rebounding the basketball, this could be a long night. But again, 
another winnable game. Then on Friday, they play the Houston Rockets. They have recently lost 20 games in a row. They obviously got a win. There is a lot of talent there. John Wall, Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr. There's a lot of talent there. But please, for the love of God, don't play down to your competition. Just win the basketball game. Win it easy. Win it so none of the starters have to play the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter. You know, like one of those one of those type of things. I don't want to talk a lot about the Rockets because they stink. And the Celtics are good. Or at least they're they're projecting that way. So just do what you got to do to win that basketball game. And don't play down to your competition for the love of God. And then Sunday, on Easter, huge game. Very important game. Because you only play this team twice. And both games are at TD Garden. And this could be one of those games that could make a break being the fourth seed or the sixth seed. Where you're either playing, you know, the Hornets or you're playing the Bucks in that first round. And you're actually playing the Charlotte Hornets 6 p.m. on Easter at TD Garden. LaMelo Ball. Unfortunately, you know, for the Hornets, but maybe fortunately for the Celtics, he's not going to be in that game. He's had a heck of a year so far. He has a fractured wrist. Heartbreaking story there because he has been phenomenal this year for him. Such, so much fun to watch, whether you like the Ball brothers or not. Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Brad Wanamaker, all members of the Charlotte Hornets now. Brad Wanamaker got traded over the trade deadline from the Warriors. Those guys are going to come in here motivated. If Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier can come in here and beat Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart, huh, that's going to make Danny Ainge look real stupid. I'll tell you that right now. And I get it. It's only a regular season game, and it's Sunday, and it's before 7.30 for the Celtics, so that's a little frightening for sure. But they have a losing record on the road, so they're not a very good road team. And starting tomorrow, on Tuesday, they will be on a six-game road trip. They start with the Wizards, then they play the Nets, then they play the Pacers, then they play the Celtics, then the Thunder, and then the Bucks. So going on a six-game road trip, we're game four. They should be a little wiped. It's not a lot of travel, obviously, going from D.C. to Brooklyn to Indy to Boston. But either way, they're not sleeping in their own beds for a long, long time. This is a big, big game. For both teams. You you could argue this could be one of the most important games for the Celtics this year. When it comes to playoff standings. I mean, they have a couple of athletic wings. P.J. Washington. Bridges. Malik Monk. He can shoot lights out. He dropped 30 points the other day against the Heat. Then you have Graham. He's going to be getting more minutes. You could argue that um, Graham should have won most... Uh, improved player last year and now the fact that he's getting more minutes and probably getting the minutes that he used to play before Lamelo came in it's not going to be an easy game but the Celtics need to win this basketball game they really and truly do because they get a day off and then they play the 76ers and the Knicks back to back at the garden not going to be easy so yeah that's it for episode 118 of the banner banter podcast Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. Don't forget to go to BigNightShop.com, click Big Night Media, and then go to Banner Banter Podcast and get all your Banner Banter Podcast merchandise. I'm hopefully going to have some more summer stuff out, you know, more t-shirts, maybe some tank tops for the ladies, uh, et cetera, et cetera, coming out real, real soon. And yeah, thanks again for listening. Stop Asian hate. Black Lives Matter. Mask up. Wash your hands. Keep following the guidelines so we can get back to normal sooner, sooner rather than later. If you're at TD Garden over the next you know, two weeks or so, I'm in Section 315. Stop by. Say hello. Let's take a picture. Let's talk Celtics hoops. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so excited to get back to the Garden. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the 
fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.